CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag management. Today's topic is developing partner-driven IT core. And our guest for today's show is Helen Norris, Chief Information Officer with Chapman University. Hi, Helen. How are you? Good. Thank you, Sanjog. How about yourself? Oh, life could not be better. So work is going well? It is. It is busy. You know, um, I'm the CIO at a university. Uh, It's summer, so a lot of times people think our lives are a bit easier because we have fewer students around. But actually, we tend to choose this time of the year to do a lot of projects and and, um, implement things that would be harder to do when when our students are on campus. Sure. So never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. All right. So, you know, as we are letting go of this legacy uh, over the years and embracing cloud and other hosted services or managed services for delivering our IT and IT-enabled functionality, uh, the goal perhaps is to become nimble and maybe Mm -hmm. remove a few things from our plate. However, are we actually inviting risk uh, that comes with relying on external partners? Should we be really ripping apart the very core of what our IT was built on and rethink and reimagine it to make it the way we want, but at the same time do not uh, lose sight of what risks it's introducing, what security challenges it will create. That's what we wanted to discuss today. Uh, So, Helen, the first question I have for you is, you know, command and control has been the guru mantra for, uh, IT management all along. And yes, we went the route of outsourcing or co-sourcing and using other service providers, etc. But then that was more at a peripheral level. Now we are fundamentally <laughs> talking about, okay, why not just have the people who the best, who are best at it, let them take over so we focus more on the business needs versus wiring the computers. What, what's happening here? Why, why is this change of heart? What, where, are, where is this coming from? Well, first of all, um, I, I think it's a slow change of heart. I, I don't think that everybody's completely bought into that, you know, that the time is now for us to, to look at moving the IT core or uh, partnering with, with vendors or, or partners, excuse me, to, to manage our core services. Uh, so I don't think that it's been completely embraced by by uh, IT professionals or by organizations. But where we started to look at it, the triggers for us are, are really about, I think, um, the level of service that's now expected for, for any of us. So even when you think about basic service, think, think of this as a person. You know, can, can you imagine going anywhere where you didn't have wireless access? And, and that's the, the kind of... Um, expectation that IT leaders have in organizations. It's to provide that same level of service. We, we always hear when we look at our uh, enterprise systems, you know, why can't it be more like Amazon? I, I use Amazon all the time. So 
our, the expectation for us has grown dramatically uh, because of, of the consumerization of IT. It, it used to be in the, in the old days, you know, we could say, well, this is how it is, and, and now we can't because people have it bring a different expectation. Our consumers, our executives, everybody in our organization has that, exec, has that expectation. At the same time, it's not like we've seen a massive infusion in resources into IT to meet this new expectation. So I think we simply have to find different ways uh, to do things. But my, one of my favorite examples is around storage. Uh, you, you know, we have more and more needs. I, I do recall even 20, I've been around a long time, and I recall 25, 30 years ago, you actually could say to users, well, you only have this much space, and so delete your old documents or archive your old documents. You sort of can't say that anymore. People have an expectation of unlimited uh, storage. So how can we do that? And the answer, one of the answers to, to those kinds of expectations is in, as you said, working with people who do this all the time and finding a way to do it a little bit cheaper. So I think it's the expectation and the desire to meet that expectation without seeing a huge increase in cost. So you mentioned the renewed expectations of what IT should be potentially delivering and the ability, the lack of ability to be able to scale to that level, that's taking us in the direction where we use third-party providers. Now, do you think we kind of draw a line or we should be drawing a line still to say, okay, you can only go to third-party and uh, do these peripheral things which do not touch my core? Or Because there are people, organizations who are even saying, why even just draw a line wherever? Mm-hmm. Because you could be fundamentally rethinking. So, so is it more a human reluctance or inertia which is preventing us from going all the way? Or is there a, is a reason why it is not a good idea to go and fundamentally rethink the core? Well, I, I think there are three reasons. Why. Well, first of all, I think that line... Uh, does exist. It exists in different places for different organizations, and I would actually say for different industries. However, I, I do see that that line is just going to continue to to move as as time goes by. You know, so where the line was last year is different to where the line is this year is different to where it's going to be in in the future. Um, I, I think there are three reasons uh, why people draw the line. The first one is exactly as as you said. It's a people thing. This is threatening. This is challenging. For those of us who work in IT, it's threatening our our livelihood in some ways, or or at least it's going to so – it already has – um, so fundamentally changed our our lives and and what we do that that's pretty threatening. I, I even recall the first time I outsourced email, uh, a very peripheral function. Um, it absolutely makes common sense to to outsource it, but you know the very people who had had to outsource the email were my email administrators. Uh, these are people who were fundamentally changing their job, a job that they enjoyed. They liked being email administrators, and all of a sudden now they have a project to wind down that part of their job. So so I do think there's a people piece. I, I think that that's very real. Um, you you know, I, I think sometimes we go into it with an element of, well, they, they 
we're going to do this, they should do this. And I think, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I think that that's not the right approach. You have to figure out how to work with people um, to, to make this feel, it's going to be threatening. You can't make it feel like less threatening, but make it feel like it's not the end of the world. I think the second issue is around cost. I don't believe that the cost models are quite there yet. I think we have to, um, we still have a little bit of work to do on making the, the costs work for us. And especially, I think, when we consider, and I'm, I'm going to pick on a piece of infrastructure, as I've mentioned, storage. You know, in the past, we did storage. We bought storage. Um, it was a capital expense. And we bought it, and then we upgraded it, and then we replaced it, and this was all kind of capital. Um, when we look at moving our services, uh, our core, especially our core, but really any services into the cloud, the costs are different. They're operating expenses. Um, they're, and so we have to figure out how to make that shift from CapEx to OpEx. We also have to really figure out how to truly compare the costs because when we do it internally, the costs are not just the cost of buying storage, but it's the the cost of the people and the cost of the environment. And and the third thing I think we have to consider is something that you mentioned before. It's risk and and security. And and this is why I think um, that line varies by industry to industry. I'm not in healthcare. I haven't worked in healthcare. But I I do know that some of the, the rules around protecting um, personal health information, put a very high burden on the, the, um, the, the people who manage the infrastructure. And so I think that in that industry, or I would guess that in that industry, uh, there's a, a great deal of, of discussion as we, as leaders, IT leaders and executives in that industry look at moving those services out of their data centers. The risks are real. Um, I think sometimes we lean on, well, for security reasons, we're not going to do this when the real reason is the first reason. It's a people reason. But we do have to look at um, what happens when we move our, our most prized assets, our most pri- and, and that's our data, out of our immediate control. And, I, and I, again, as I said, I think that matters um, more. It, that has a higher degree of concern in healthcare organizations, and I would guess in financial organizations also. See, when you when you discussed cost, and of course there are situations where it may look on the surface that the cost of going to a third-party provider compared to doing it internally, you always see that internal cost could be less or you could manage it better. Mm-hmm. Now, think about not the apples to apples comparison here because with that you also get the renewed capability of scaling or extending your Mm -hmm. operations in a heartbeat which you may not have today and there are some other justifications to go that route so do you think that cost while we discuss it and we keep bringing it up is is truly what uh is holding us back or should hold us back You know, that's a great point. I think sometimes we look at cost and um, it it does, we fail to consider things like uh, what's the, 
the opportunity or, you know, what can we do in the future that it's really setting us up for future growth. And we really fail to consider internal costs. So I think it becomes a, a different way of managing our budgets. Uh, this is where I think it gets even a little bit scary. Uh, sometimes the costs are lower because you need fewer people to fewer technical people to run it, and that's a, a different kind of discussion. Then it's not just about the cost, but it's about the personnel uh, implications, and, and that can be very challenging. Um, I, I think, though, the key is, or certainly in my experience, it, the key is moving from the capital to the operating because it, it simply is changing how how you manage your budget. So it's, it, I've had experiences in the past where it feels easy or relatively easy, I guess it's never easy, to seek funding for a one-time purchase. But to your point, that doesn't put you in the position for growth. Um, However, seeking funding for operating expenses kind of that are seen in some way as permanent operating expenses can be a little bit harder. So I think it's about educating uh, kind of up the chain, if you will. Uh, A person in my role might see the value of of moving to uh, an operating expense because it gives us greater capability for growth, but we have to speak to our upper management about why um, we're, we're now bringing on this additional operating expense. So we are talking about a transformation from us selectively at our own discretion using various services where you know the cost and many other criteria match to a point where our very fundamental IT core is taken care of by partners who are best of breed, for example, doing Mm -hmm. the things that they're supposed to do. And, of course, I'm sure it will not result in you having your two weeks in Hawaii Mm -hmm. every month. Uh, It will still require you to be there. However, what you've done is you've fundamentally taken your IT from a monolithic Mm -hmm. organization into a set of programs that are running and CIO turning into a program manager. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's too much to ask for, or is that too Star Trek type? Um, You know, I think that's the direction, and I would actually argue, one of the things I've seen, and again, I've I've worked in universities for a long time, is that it's, while I think we've thought of ourselves as kind of the big IT organization in control, in fact, for many years, we we haven't been. Uh, We've had pockets of IT throughout the organization running very critical services. So, in fact, for many years, we've had to do this kind of work internally, where our role is, as um, the CIO or in the IT organization is not to deliver all the services, but sometimes find ways to broker and integrate those services, even internally. I see this um, bringing the... Uh, uh, bringing in services that are managed outside the organization in a similar way. I, I agree. I think our jobs are going to change, I, I, and I, I think they already have changed, and I think they'll they'll change even more. Uh, you know, it becomes about integrating all of those services into a good experience for our customers and for our end users. So we may have pieces of the infrastructure or, or the peripheral services that are outsourced, and our job is not is now to, to bring those pieces together in addition to managing the service providers. So many of us have become very skilled at managing our internal service providers. We know how to manage our own people, 
but now we're really talking about managing external service providers. So I think it's a, a different skill set. I think we've been dabbling in it for years because we've I, I actually think it's a bit of a fantasy to say we were monolithic and we, we had everything in our control because we didn't. We were ignoring the other pieces of the, the work. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a different skill set, and I do think we're moving more in that direction. Um, let's take a quick you know, break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's talk about the way these new partner-driven IT core models could potentially emerge. Would you just continue to utilize the same SLAs and contracts and the upfront due diligence as a way to develop it, or there is more involved when you are literally handing over your lifeline to them? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So imagine the possibilities of us being able to develop a partner-driven IT core, what possibilities it will bring, what value it will bring. So, of course, there is a justification on, yes, it is, it is. if possible, if you could go that route, that would be really bringing a lot of value to the organization. Now, the, the goal here is to see if that's an intent. How do we get to it? So coming to the question I just asked before we went for the break – the the uh, SLAs or contractual agreements and or upfront due diligence like we used to acquire any other partner, would that be the best way for us to think how you're going to develop a partner-driven core? Because now you're bringing them in, but they are no longer to be treated as vendors who mm-hmm. you used to deal with when you had contracts only and due diligence only upfront. There has to be a different way of working with them. That's that's a great point. Now, I think, um, you know, we certainly have to have 
contracts and SLAs in place. You know, I, it, I think that that makes sense. But I think what you're talking about is something that goes a little bit beyond there where the the relationship goes from, you know, um, vendor to customer to more partner-to-partner relationship. I, I, I don't know that we know the answer as to how to contractually prepare for that. Um, you know, if, it's, if there's a different way we write contracts or a different way we negotiate with the vendors. But I do think that how, and I think we'll have to depend and rely a lot on our relationships with our legal departments and our procurement departments uh, to help us in that regard. But I, I do think it, it's uh, when it, the, I think the role of the IT organization within the organization will be to manage those partnerships um, with our uh, outsourcing vendors or, or partners. So we have to figure out how to work with them in a collaborative way so that we're treating them more like a partner than a vendor. At the same time, part of the reason that we're doing this is because we're trying to outsource some of the risk and we're trying to outsource some of the work so we don't want to fall in, I think, to the, the the relationship with them where we're treating them like one of our employees. We still we have a, I think, a duty and a responsibility to the organization to look at them as a, a, a supplier of services, while at the same time looking at them as a partner. So I think it's it's a pretty tricky um, role. I think the outsourcing vendors are getting uh, prepared for this by instead of having the, the traditional roles, you know, of a salesperson and um, uh, an engineer, having the role of a kind of a customer success advocate, oh, which is a term I, I heard yesterday from one of my vendors, a person whose role isn't to sell to me or whose role isn't to, you know, deliver the service, but someone that the organization works with uh, to in a more strategic way. So instead of treating them just like vendors, they become part of our strategy team. Uh, they become part of our, our discussion as we think about how we're going to, to work in the future. Um, and some of that is through new roles on the vendor side or the partner side and, and new roles on our side. But I, I think this is pretty uncharted territory for us. I think most of us have worked with vendors, and um, we've built in things into the SLA that say if we're down for four hours, you know, we're going to get a, a rebate or, or whatever. And in this model, those things don't matter because we really just don't want to be down for four hours. <laughs> so the, the rebate piece, it becomes much less important. And so it's really more about the relationship. And we do talk about relationships. So, of course, if you have the right intent and you want to bring them as a family member, you also would have some explicit or implied expectations on how should they behave. Do you think the provider community is stepping up to the plate for them to automatically start getting that type of a behavior from you as the host? Well, I, I think it's going to be a journey. I, You know, as we get uh, more and more into into this field, uh, they will start developing uh, new roles to, to the new relationship management roles. I, I mean, if you look at where we've outsourced uh, to date, we, you know, in universities, our, our first 
one of our first steps at outsourcing was with email. We outsourced to Google. We outsourced to Microsoft. Um, you know, many of us use Amazon Web Services. And these are really the big monolithic kind of companies, kind of a little bit like the central IT used to be, right? You know, Google, when you outsource your email, they just they tell you what their terms are and you accept them. Um, and so that's the model we've been working under. So these vendors are, are, are I think, also on a path uh, to changing that. I think the key is that many of the vendors will be smaller vendors, that it won't always be the, the Amazons and the Googles, that in some cases we'll be using smaller, and to use your term for earlier, more nimble vendors who can respond to, to our changes. And in some cases, and this may be even a little bit more futuristic, I, I think, well, I think we've already seen it, though, the vendors will actually be brokers, too that will be working with vendors who are consolidating services from bigger vendors because the bigger vendors aren't that nimble either. Does that make sense? Definitely it does. Now, Socrates mentioned, or is rather quoted, wisdom begins in wonder. And mm-hmm. what if we started that journey to wonder, what would that partner-driven IT core look like? Because perhaps that is where we would start, you know, uh, first reimagining what we want and then thinking how we will get to it. So if I were to ask you that question, have you ever wondered what that partner-driven IT core looked like, say, for your organization or any other organization? So, you know, as you, this is, as you said, wisdom built in wonder, thinking about what it might look like in the future uh, where we've outsourced you know, for, for universities, I think the next step is really looking at outsourcing or um, cloud solutions for our data and our core business. So that's, you know, I think what I see coming for us down the road. How do we get that? Um, how do we run that in the in this in this organiz- in this mythical future? Um, what about the infrastructure as a service? I think a couple of things that will fundamental will bring fundamental change for us. First, I I think uh, I'd envision that we've become a little bit more standard in what we um, what we offer as an IT service because part of doing this is, is being willing to to work with the vendor and and do things a little bit differently. Uh, but the value that we get for making that those changes in in our approach is really the agility the you know, in, in my business, we have re- real peaks and valleys. So at the beginning of my semester, for instance, when our students come back, the stress on our infrastructure is, is very high. Um, everybody's trying to get on, online to get classes or to, you know, find out where they're assigned in their, in their dorms and so on. And so our traffic is much higher at that time period. In the summer, not so much, right? So, you know, what I would envision in the future is if we were able to to live in this ecosystem of partners, being able to scale it up and pay for what I need at that time when the the needs are very high, and then when they are not so high, being able to scale it back. So I see the flexibility as something that would be a real benefit for for us as we move in this direction. I think the ability to quickly... um, integrate new solutions and new services to offer to to our clients would be would be part of this and um 
finally the ability to i think one of the other things that we're looking at in throughout the all industries is the ability to handle um much more volume than we used to in the past whether it's bigger data sets or bigger pieces of network traffic the ability to to quickly manage those pieces without the the large step up to get to them so there is a lot involved and we would not boil the ocean so we'll have to take slices and conquer them and that seems to be the approach to getting to that pattern driven IT core so if you had to rationalize and prioritize on what you will start with how will you move that forward what would that set of steps look like or what would you you know do first versus the other Sure, sure. Well, I think as you look at that call, you know, how I want to if if we just have agreed, you know, we're going to outsource or or partner to move as much of our IT into a cloud kind of solution as we can. Let's assume we've said that. So what's the roadmap for going forward? How how do we get to that roadmap? I think we get to it in in a couple of different ways. Look at areas where we're already struggling to meet demand and see if there's an opportunity to to um move those into a partner environment first and secondly look at the ecosystem of what the what's being offered now and see see where the path of least resistance is i think it's a combination of the those two um when i look at that ecosystem and when i see where the demands are i i would say that the first step the 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 maybe one of the easier steps is really the storage it's it's um it's there's higher and higher demands on our storage i think the industry the partner industry is ready uh to to manage storage for most organizations as we talked a little bit before about uh issues with risk and security because if once we put our data out there it's sort of quote out there um you know but i think the partner industries are prepared for that so i i think that's the the way i would look at it is um where's our pain points and can we address the pain points for the organization by looking at uh, alternative w- methods of delivery and what are our what are the partners in the or, um ecosystem ready to deliver now and to me the the cl- clear example is storage now coming to the typical challenges that we do discuss and uh the way we approach would you say first you will build a plan or you you'll plan your work and work your plan or you will keep that in mind as a forethought while coming up with the next steps which one would actually get you to that end state Yeah that's that's a great question I think um you know as IT people in the the way we've always managed projects is we spent a lot of time planning and we have a big plan and then we move toward that um that end goal and the plan might be 3 years or 5 years or or something like that um planning is really important don't don't get me wrong but i think the days of saying we're going to figure out what the end state looks like and then we're going to put all the steps in place to get us there i think those days are gone i think we're looking at a more agile approach where we may be in principle except uh where we're going that we're going to be in a different place in 3 years or 5 years but we don't have a blueprint for that i think our blueprints are more in 6 month or 12 month uh places 
So I think you kind of develop a strategy more than a plan. And um, so one one approach an organization might take, and, and I think this is futuristic, is, okay, we have a strategy to where we want to outsource all of our IT, uh, core IT over the next five years. We don't have a blueprint of what it's going to look like at the end of the five years. We know what the goal is. And then we develop... Um, milestones along the way, picking the pieces that we want to get to, milestones in much smaller bites. I think we're in the agile age. The technology is changing too fast for us to have these big long-term plans because um, as soon as we write it, it will be different. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And we will first talk about what are we talking when it is when we are referring to IT core. So is that a common denominator across the organizations on what that core looks like? Are there some common pieces? And if we can identify those and then evaluate what can be sent to someone or whether it has to be handled internally, then we will have a clearer answer to that question. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So we spent the last 30 minutes trying to see what would it take to rethink, reimagine IT core. But what is it today? What is it that we think is the core for what we do? So, Helen, what, what, what's your definition? Sure. Well, when I, I think of the IT core, I think of, um, you know, four or five different components thereof. Uh, you mentioned earlier on in our discussion that we've moved, we've already, many of us have already moved some of our peripheral services. So I think that there are basic services that comprise the IT core, uh, things like 
um, email and calendar and, you know, maybe our mobile device, our mobile management and so on and so forth. Then I think there's the basic infrastructure that those services uh, sit on, whether that's uh, data center and our servers and our, our Unix boxes or, or whatever, and um, also the storage uh, upon which they reside. Um, a specific type of service, I would uh, I, I would define maybe the the core business or the mission systems as a specific kind of service, our enterprise systems, what it takes us to run our business on a day-to-day basis, whether it's, you know, um, the the finance systems, the HR systems, if you're in the healthcare industry, your patient management systems, or for, for us here in universities, our student management systems. There are, there are ERPs. They're part of the core. I think a huge part of the core is the data. Um, organizations are becoming more and more heavily dependent on data and uh, on reporting, and, you know, we could talk about that for hours. And then finally, I think the um, networking and the wireless infrastructure is is a big part of the core. So, you know, it's kind of, um, just to summarize, in my opinion, the peripheral services, the kind of the data center infrastructure, including the storage, uh, the mission critical systems or the enterprise systems, uh, the huge swaths of data that go along with all of this, and, and finally the network infrastructure. So that's what I think of as the core. No, definitely, and and you know that's a, a clear enough definition. So let's table that for a second. We'll come back to it, but let's go to the most important piece of the puzzle, which you also mentioned is one of the biggest challenge is a people related challenge. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about IT core, which is being run by your internal staff, mm-hmm. they may have a certain amount of skills and competencies required, the specific roles that you'll define, the workload and the work variety that they will have to deal with. Now, all of that will have to fundamentally be rethought when it is going to be handed over to some people who are outside. So would you do it fully? Would you still keep somebody in-house? What what would be the the approach to it? We're not looking for the final answer, what it is sure. going to be, but what would be your approach to thinking through all that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and this is, I think, the hardest part of, the, of this discussion. Um, first of all, I think, for the foreseeable future, I, I believe it will be a bit of a hybrid approach where you will we will continue to have internal um, expertise as well as um, handing off some of the work to to our uh, to our partners. Uh, I actually think that hybrid approach makes it even harder. You know, if 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 we could cut cut a cord and go from all internal one day to all external the next day. That would be that be that would almost be easy by by comparison, but I think in order to make the transition, you have to have some internal expertise. So you're asking the people uh, if we pick on um, any piece, the storage, for example. If if we made a decision that our end goal is to have our storage be managed by another group, we're actually asking our storage administrators, our our staff to go through that transition when it fundamentally changes what they do. It may even put them out of a job. So you can see the challenges uh, associated with this. 
so I think some of the approaches you can take are, are thinking about um, working, and this is painful and it's, or, or lengthy, working with your staff to see what they really, where they really want to end up. Do they want to continue to, to you know, we, we always use the phrase, well, it frees them up to do something more interesting. Well, you know, that's true, um, but what if you really like being a storage administrator and we outsource all of the storage pieces? I think you have to have that hard conversation with the, the individuals because I do think it's possible to arrange safe landings for people, um, if for good people, as you go through this process. But I, I really think it's about having those conversations, being very clear and very honest with your staff instead of having something, you know, um, where you haven't been clear about what your direction is and uh, rumors take over and people imagine other things. So those, those are, are some of the techniques I, I would employ in going through this com- this journey. Um, first of all, it is a journey. It's not a destination. It takes a long time. The journey's hard. Uh, it, it's important to be honest and forthright with your staff, and it's also really important to understand where they want to end up. In my experience also, sometimes it doesn't end in a good place for, for people, and um, that, that's just really a hard place to be. Now, you, what you just described was how we would manage the psyche, the motivation level, mm-hmm. et cetera, of the people who currently are there in order for us to move to the, the, the newer state and not have uh, attrition due to uh, people being scared, et cetera, sure. right? So we, we spoke about that part. Now, we, we, let's take a step back. We are talking about what do you think would be the basis of you saying, this is what my core staff look like if I have moved my IT core to the partners? What would be the way you will think through? Because you could very well be on either extreme. You'll say, I'm going to retain everything, but still give something out and I'll retool my people. On the other hand, you can say, I can let go of everyone because I'm seriously thinking that why would I need anyone here because partner has already taken over people. Or you will create a BOT model, which is build, operate, transfer, to say, okay, let's let's build this IT core, let the vendor manage, but then my people become the employees of somebody else. So these are different strategies people have utilized. So in your view, if people are going to be impacted, and yes, we'll have to manage their psyche and the mm-hmm. culture and their motivation level, but what is the core people strategy that well, would one, work well in, in, in if we were to go and uh, make it a partner-driven IT core? What would work? I think the core, developing the strategy for how to manage the people and how to manage the transition is going to vary from organization to organization. I think you have to look both at, as you mentioned, the culture, excuse me, the culture in the organization. And you also have to look at, uh, frankly, what your what your um, agreements, what your employment agreements uh, govern, that govern your your uh, organization are. I, as a result, I think you might have a different answer for this strategy, say, in a public organization or in, in, a, in the public sector where perhaps 
uh, the staff are unionized uh, versus an answer that you might have in uh, more of a startup type organization or a Silicon Valley type organization where uh, there's a different, uh, different approach to staffing. So I think the first thing you have to do is to look at what might work in your particular organization because I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution here. Uh, So that would be one factor that you would consider when you're trying to um, envision what the, just as you envision maybe what the end, the end picture looked like for this outsourcing organization or outsourcing um, infrastructure and envisioning what the end picture looks like for the outsourced organization. So I think you consider that first. Uh, Secondly, I think you apply what you've more or less agreed to to do in terms of how much is outsourced and how much is managed internally. And that will help you figure out, do I need to keep a lot of technical staff? Do I need to um, have uh, people do I need to keep my people and retool them to be uh, managers of, of the relationship? Because that's sort of what it becomes. You know, you have you need more people who can manage the relationships with the partners. So it, consider how one how much of that you're going to need in your in your long or long term organization. And finally, look critically at the skill sets of the people that you have. And um, if you've made a decision that we're going to outsource more of the technical work and we need to have relationship managers in place, look critically at the people that you have and see if if really could we um, transform them from whatever job they've got into this different, um, different relationship. Now, uh, this isn't really an answer to the question you just asked, but I, I want to point out that I think, um, and this is looking very far down the future, I, I think that more and more of us are going to move to where we have fewer and fewer technical staff. And this is a kind of a long-term view. Uh, I, I think we have to because I, I think as we look into the future, the U.S. is facing, in my opinion, a critical shortage of technical workers. So, you know, those of us that choose to keep our infrastructure inside our organizations are really, in my opinion, going to struggle to find resources to manage it. And I'm really talking about 10 years out. I think in, I've read statistics that say, you know, in, in 10 years, we will be short, you know, $10 million, 10 million technical workers, excuse me, uh, so, you know, I think you have to consider that long-term reality in, in your planning. If you set up your organization to where you have to have a lot of technical people in the year 2025, I think you're setting up your organization for a difficult um, challenge. They'll be competing with these uh, – You, the organization will be competing with these outsourced vendors for that talent, and we won't be able to compete. Many of us are already find ourselves in that position – difficult to find technical people, it's difficult to pay them, and um, so we have to look at, at different ways to do things. And I think that's one of the drivers that will get us to the outsourcing of the, the IT core because we simply won't be able to staff to maintain the IT core internally. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the accountability and the responsibility. Yes, as a top honcho, the CIO will have that. However, you'll need a set of lieutenants who take 
this initiative, break it into logical pieces, take the responsibility and accountability and move that forward. What would that cabinet look like? Those leaders and or lieutenants look like in terms of their roles and how the work will be divvied up. Please stay tuned. Listen, we'll, we'll come back and explore. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So talk about lieutenants, um, where we, they are the ones who will be accountable and responsible. What would be your directive to them, and what would that cabinet look like? Uh, that's a great question. I think in the past, as we've hired people at the, you know, the deputy CIO or the director level, um, we focused a lot on delivery. You know, I wanted a, an infrastructure services director or an enterprise systems director who really knows enterprise systems and really knows how to run the network and the, and the data center. What we're really talking about in this environment is a, a set of skills uh, that are more about collaboration and about working, um, looking, working with partners to come up with creative solutions. So I think uh, the lieutenants, I think in, throughout the organization, um, we have to infuse that skill set of, um, as I mentioned, collaboration, uh, figuring out how to work with people who figuring out how to manage people who don't report to you in the traditional way and how to ensure that you're clear with them and hold, being able to hold them accountable as we want to get things done. So um, it, it's a different kind of person. You're looking less for, you know, I'm looking for a certified engineer or, you know, a person with a, a particular skill set. They really know how to architect a network. Uh, Instead, they, they need to know how to collaborate with, with these partners, ensure that they know the partners do a good job of architecting our infrastructure. 
I, I think one of the challenges there is in order to do that, you, you do have to be, you have to have some of those old skills too. You have to be fairly technically savvy in order to work with, um, with those partners and, and kind of hold them accountable and, and keep them honest, if you will, uh, around what, what they're doing. So collaboration, good high-level technical skills, um, savviness about uh, the savviness about strategic issues, and also being able to hold people accountable regardless of your reporting relationship to them. That's what I would see as, as critical skill sets in those lieutenants. Now, while you develop the cabinet and, of course, make other changes, how will you keep the spirit of innovation and experimentation alive? Because if we make it partner-driven, one of the potential risks is a partner would, even though they are partners and they're trying to do the way you would have done a job, but they will just do a job versus saying, okay, let's innovate. Let's think out of the box. Let's do these things not to just make more money, but more <laughs> to improve or, 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 you know, raise the bar for themselves. How you know, would you bring that motivation within a partner? You know, that that's a great, that's an interesting question. And w- one thing it kind of Im- implies to me is that we've done a good job of doing that in our internal IT organizations, which, which I don't think we have, um, frankly. I think uh, IT, or, or we could certainly do better. Um, and the reason we haven't, Done, always done great jobs about being innovative within our IT organizations is because we're so focused on keeping the lights on and on keeping things running that we simply haven't had time to innovate. So I would take that lesson and apply it to the partner. So, you know, we, if we are, you know, the, the main reason that we're using them is so that they keep the lights on and keep things running. That really matters. But we have to build something into our relationship with them that gives them the time and the opportunity and rewards them for uh, innovation and, and coming up with new ways for us to do things. So we have to figure out um, a, a way to manage that. And as I, I mentioned, I don't think we've always done a great job of that internally. And I believe it's come down to that our employees have been rewarded for keeping on the lights and keeping things running and not for taking risks and um, trying new uh, innovative ideas. So learning from that rewarding our partners for taking risks and for coming up with uh, innovative ways that we can do things, allowing them, for example, to take some, if they create something on our dime, so to speak, uh, allowing them to use that uh, with other customers, if it makes sense. In in some cases, it doesn't, but it can in some cases. So um, finding a way to reward them for innovation is important. Now, um, what do you think would be the top three traits of uh, a third-party provider for them to be invited to your core group or the people who will handle your core? Sure. Well, you know, I I think um, there are two that come to mind right off the bat. Uh, First of all, you know, they they have to be – it's the price of admission – to be technically competent. It's the price of admission to be able to, if they're going to want to run our storage, for instance, you know, they have to actually know how to, how to do that. 
Um, the second piece, I think, that that's really pretty, uh, comes right into my mind, is they have to be highly collaborative. They have to be, um, they have to invest in the relationship with us. Uh, they have to be good listeners, I guess, in, in a, to make it kind of fairly simple. Uh, so I think, you know, the being able to do the job, if you will, and being able to work well with us are, are really critical. And then the third thing, it gets a little bit to the innovation thing, but ha- being having some vision, having uh, demonstrating the ability to see beyond the next three months or six months, demonstrating uh, a spirit of um, vision understanding strategy and having some long-term view of, of where technology is going, I think is critically important. One final question, 30 seconds. What okay. do you think would be the top three leadership traits that would be required for a CIO or another IT leader who's at the top in order to pull this off, that is to rethink, reimagine, and develop a partner-driven IT core? Um, well, collaboration. You know, you've got to be uh, able to uh, get the, the buy-in of the people in your group and in the organization as well as working with the, with the partners. So collaboration is a critical piece. I think vision and strategy, the ability to see what we want to do in the future and not designing or working with the vendor to meet our needs today but to meet our needs in five years. And then finally being a risk taker because this is risky. And so being comfortable with taking risks and making, being comfortable with making a change that, um, that's a little bit scary and not being afraid to fail. Because, you know what, well, we will make mistakes. <laughs> we will have some failures. And being able to recover from them, I think, is, is a critical piece. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Helen, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can actually envision and execute on developing a partner-driven IT core. Great. Well, thank you, uh, Sanjog. I've enjoyed the conversation. It's been, it's been fun. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And listeners, hope you enjoyed, learned a few nuggets, got a few nuggets out of this. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.